visually when you walked up and you saw what this was in you know this is this very digital tech-based thing inside this uh solidly analog traditional old old thing like this building was not built for lots of people to talk inside of (laughs) hey there good people in crypto land i'm matt lysing and this is my podcast decent people welcome to the conversation Today on the show, I am joined by my co-founder at Decentral, Neil Berkeley, who is an acclaimed documentary filmmaker. Uh, He's made docs uh, about people such as Dan Harmon, uh, who created Rick and Morty, and Gilbert Gottfried, uh, the iconic comic. Neil and I um, both had the pleasure of attending ETH Denver last week, and we got together to just kind of give a little bit of a dump on what we thought about um, the conference the vibe, all the people that showed up. There was 30 to 40,000 people, I'd say, uh, all told. Um, and so for context, this was Neil's first crypto conference. Uh, I can't count the number of crypto conferences I've attended, but this was my second ETH Denver, um, the first being back in 2019 when it was a much different scene, much less uh, chaotic. Uh, the scale was, was vastly smaller, a little more intimate. Um, but Neil and I speak about uh, the sort of quasi-religious um, feel of attendees at ETH Denver. Um, they are, you know, showing up and showing enthusiasm uh, in the face of a bear market and crypto broadly and in a very aggressive regulatory environment. We also talked about the network effect and how, it, to me, it seemed like this was the network effect personified um, with these thousands, tens of thousands of people coming in from all over the world to, to share their knowledge and learn and to, to help people um, create you know, the new decentralized Web3 um, crypto experience. So uh, let's get to the show. I hope you enjoy it. Thanks. Hey, Neil, how's it going, man? It's great to have you on the show. Uh, You're my co-founder here at Decentral uh, and uh, an amazing documentary filmmaker. And we're here today to talk about our kind of thoughts on uh, ETH Denver 2023. Great to have you on the show. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me. It's I was just I just realized this is uh, it's been a while since we've done this, and the last time we did it, we were also giving our opinion on uh, NFT uh, Web three based <laughs> artwork. Yes, so this, yes. Is, this is all we talk about is just to come together and, and uh, talk smack. NFT or WTF? I think <laughs> was right. the yeah. failed sort of <laughs> experiment. <laughs> Not right. failed. Not, it was. It was. Uh, it was. It was set aside for a bit. <laughs> yes, it's it's on pause. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So let's um, let's set the context here. Uh, we both attended ETH Denver 2023. Um, yes. It was a, a crazy, uh, really intense uh, conference. Lots of activity. Now, this was your first year at ETH Denver, correct, Neil? My first time. Uh, my first time at any sort of crypto uh, convention, really. Um, but yeah, so you're a noob. Um, <laughs> yeah. Let's let's. Uh, what do you think? Like, what are your uh, what are your what were your initial impressions? And uh, just like let's let's set the scene here. Yeah. Well, so I was there. I wasn't there to attend the convention uh, the conference necessarily. I'm um, in the process, as you mentioned. I'm a documentary filmmaker. I am making a short film uh, for Nounsdow. Not for, but about Nounsdow. They. Uh, as, as you may or may not know, part of their 
organization, uh, they're a DAO. They uh, allow proposals to be put on chain and the DAO votes on them. And the proposals are very wide reaching from they've named frogs, they've uh, given uh, prescription glasses to kids, they've built skate parks, they do a lot of uh, code work, they're doing tons of development, just uh, blockchain development. Um, and one of the things that they passed was a proposal, Proposal 73, with Stupid Buddy Studios, which is Seth Green's animation company, to build a rose parade float based on the nouns and make a documentary about it. And the doc is definitely about the rose parade and the building of the of the float and all that goes into that. But it's also about nouns itself and, and what it's doing. So I was there. Um, because all of the founders of the of the DAO, they call them nounders, were there. There was also a few people uh, in the community doing a presentation in the hall. So I was documenting that uh, and just talking to some people, catching up with some people that are in the documentary. Um, so I wasn't necessarily there to see the conference, but I did get uh, some exposure to it. <laughs> and I, you know, I I think it's got. I think it has all the trappings of a conference. I've, I've been to other conferences and they are sort of a, just generally speaking about conferences, forget the, the ETH, Ethereum of it all. Um, the conferences, generally speaking, kind of feel like big giant money grabs. Um, not money grabs, but like someone's definitely charging people to be there. And, and there's this big thing and, and it just feels, they, they, they always feel kind of like a dated idea. Well, I'm sure at one point conferences were super important to certain industries to do sales and get products out there. I know like CES in Vegas is a big, big deal because that's where everyone goes and sees the new cameras and stuff like that. Um, so, I mean, generally speaking, conferences are sort of a an odd thing to me. Yeah, um, I'm going to let me like, yeah, I, I think you're touching on something that I've uh, incurred or encountered in my like life as a reporter. Yeah. There's a sort of pressure to a conference, I think, because yeah. you're there to do stuff like you're paying a lot of money. Usually um, it's a limited time. There's a ton of people asking for everyone's attention. And then the other thing you said, dated, it reminded me, it, it also kind of feels like speed dating. You know, yeah. it's like you're oh. like you're yeah. there and you're, you're trying to like make a great impression on people and just like grab their attention and, and get them to like you. And yeah. it can it can feel very artificial. Yeah, for sure. So I have friends that work in the food and beverage industry and conferences or conventions are a big, big deal to them. But it makes sense because you can walk around and eat this food and move on or drink this thing if you move on. But at a conference, I, I kind of feel bad for these people that sit at these tables and do their spiel a thousand times a day. Um, and then when you add the Web3 of it all, I mean, man, it just must get really taxing to do that. But you're right. Speed dating is uh, a great analogy if you're attending these things there is a pressure to hit as many of these booths as you can and at east denver they were everywhere i mean there were it was that was the big takeaways you walked in and it was massive i mean there were tons and tons of people there and it's a bear market and i don't know if this is like a bottom signal or what but <laughs> like there were so many people at this thing yeah it, it was overwhelming and like yeah. from my perspective the first ETH number I went to was in 2019, um, and that was the, the the last one I went to before 2023. And um, it was at this place called the Sports Castle in Denver. It's a much smaller um, uh, venue, 
I, you know, there's a couple thousand people there. Uh, maybe, maybe I've seen it's people say it's 5,000. It didn't feel like that to me, um, at the time, but it was, it was a lot more intimate in 2019. You could, um, sit in on a conversation on listening to a panel or a one-on-one -on -one interview with someone and you could actually hear what was being said. Um, you, you know, <laughs> yeah. you could, you could meet that person afterwards, um, much more easily. Um, and it, it just, it, and that was also a bear market, you know, that was 2019, uh, we were right. coming out of the really bad downturn, um, in late 2017 and all of basically 2018. Um, but the, so the enthusiasm was the same. What I found, um, you know, what, what shocked me a little bit was the scale. Like we've said, like you walked into the event venue this year, it was at this, uh, Western, um, grand Western or something. It's where they do like a huge stock show every year where people come in from all over the world to buy cattle. It's like one of the biggest stock shows in the world. And so it's this enormous venue with a concrete floor and high ceilings and it's all metal. And the sound was just uh, like, it was just overwhelming. Uh, yeah. and so you're sitting there trying to listen to a panel discussion and everything else is going around you right behind you. There's booths, there's people walking around, everyone's talking. And, and then there's like five other panel discussions going on in different places around the venue. So I, I found that sort of overwhelming. Um, and it was interesting, you know, 2019, I was there to start reporting on my book out of the ether. And I could like, I knew a lot of people, like the community was a lot smaller then, and now it's just absolutely exploded. And I think on the one hand, that's a really interesting signal for Ethereum and, and what, what a community it has built. Um, but it also felt kind of like it's getting impersonal. And um, I, I know you don't have a, 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 a thought on that, but um, I wanted to go back just one thing with, with NounsDAO, the, the way that they're doing, they're, they're funding all these cool projects and crazy projects like the Rose Parade, Rose Parade Float is they're selling a nouns nft every day right and that's how they're funding their treasury am i correct in that yeah it's really i mean it's pretty amazing what they're doing and it's really hard to explain to someone and that's one of the challenges of the doc is not only do we have to show what what happened during this rose parade thing but also explain a dao because it it truly is a, like a lot of daos are companies they call themselves DAOs. They're not decentralized and not autonomous. Um, organization is always the hardest part for these things. But this really is governed uh, on the blockchain. Uh, yeah, they auction a, a noun NFT every day. And if you own one, that gets you a vote in the DAO. And I think the first one sold for like $2 million. And now they're selling for, I think they're around $40,000. Uh, they're obviously sold in ETH, but um, the USD equivalent is about $40,000 right now. Um, but the crazy thing is the whole ecosystem, I think they've sold uh, just over 600 nouns so far. But the ecosystem is thousands of people. I mean, the DAO has employees. They have people work, like that, that run podcasts. They've got people that run street teams. They've got people that do coding. Um, and, but there really is no central, um, management or owners. Uh, if you, if you have a proposal passed, you have free will to do whatever that, to, whatever that promises you do it. And however you want to do it, you do it. Like there's no boss at this thing. Um, so like, you know, this documentary I'm making was funded by the Dow. 
which normally isn't a good idea to make a doc that's funded by the subject, but they have no say. Uh, you know, it's also CC0, which is the Creative Commons, which means there's no IP ownership. So it's, it's really a strange, kind of amazing thing. Um, and it's going through all the, the, what you'd expect, you know, there's not infighting necessarily, but there's definitely differences of opinion as far as what it should be doing and, and what's the, what's best for the DAO. Um, but yeah, yeah they so the organization is always the hardest part. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's funny cause like the, the whole point is to not have an organization but, but then you, you still have to communicate. <laughs> um, well, I, think we actually, I would it, say it differently. I would say there, there, there absolutely needs to be organization, but it needs to be um, um, according to a set of rules that are laid out from the beginning, right? And so like it's the, the autonomous part of it is like, okay, this is how you make a proposal, it'll go to a vote. You know, that I think the, those sorts of things, don't you think, are kind of the scaffolding um, of a DAO that makes it a little different than, say, a corporation or an LLC? Yeah, yeah. Well, it, yeah, exactly. Well, it's it's a little it's a lot like Bitcoin where the 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 rails are there um, to keep the train on the tracks. Uh, but the direction the train goes in is still up to people. If that if that analogy makes sense. Yeah. Um, and that's where it gets a little. A little clunky because you know you ha everyone has every vote is worth a vote some some people own a lot of nouns and have a little bit more power but really not really um so that that's where it gets that's where it gets interesting is how they how they manage that um but but like even the money like the treasury is is all algorithmic um when i first got into it and i was wondering about the money like could you could you just steal this treasury you really can't. It's not like there's a multi-sig wallet that several people have access to. Um, if if a, if an idea goes on chain, it gets voted on, and if it passes, the money gets sent to you. Um, it does not touch, uh, quote, oh, wow. human hands. Yeah, see that that yeah, that's getting kind of the point I was trying to make. Like that's um, sort of how a DAO should be um, running. Yeah, right. It should be. Uh, once the collective has made a decision, it would say like, okay, here's our proposal to make this documentary. And if it passes, you get 10 ETH or whatever. And it's just automatic. Right. And then it transfers. It, that part is, yeah. When the, the, the real like nitty gritty of it all, that part is all uh, laid out. But what's missing is like, you know, if it was a religion, there'd be a Christ figure. You know, if there were, if it was a company, there'd be an Elon Musk. Um, there it's, it's the values based direction that is not written down. Um, there's, a, there's, there's a, there's an ethos, there's like a vibe, but nothing is, is in stone because the, that's the point of decentralization is just the, the idea was let's put this thing up and just see what happens. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's pretty interesting. All right. So let's, let's get back to ETH Denver. Um, yeah. what was that smell? outside <laughs> what, how do you describe it because I, i've i've described it a few times but i want to ask you there was a definite smell in this area of denver which is a, it's an industrial area i guess it's a new arts district that's up and coming but it was a bit outside of the city center it was very industrial there were many highways going um you know through there and lots of like just to set the scene like warehouses and things where you just have no idea what's going on but neil what was that smell I, I don't know what it was, but if I said I think it was either feet or cheese, you would know what I was getting at. 
like, and neither of those have been uh, washed lately. <laughs> yes, yes. I went with um, industrial cheese being burned. That's <laughs> oh, burned would like. have been, actually be pleasant. I think it was maybe the cheese had been out all day. It was yeah. sweaty cheese. <laughs> that, that too, like visually, when you walked up and you saw what this was in, you know, this is this very digital tech-based thing inside this uh, solidly analog, traditional, old, old thing. Like this building was not built for pe lots of people to talk inside of. <laughs> no, no. It was built uh, and there's for like people roping to... each other on the outside. Yeah. yeah. It's definitely moving animals. <laughs> and then you go downstairs, there's a downstairs and it's like a, it's a, I think they have a rodeo down there. Honestly, I think this is yeah. because it was set up like, you know, there are these bleacher seats on one side of this auditorium and they had made the, area where the rodeo would be into a stage and stuff, but it was, um, yeah, it, it was something, uh, but I, I think you, you've sort of hinted at this in your, in the newsletter, um, your, your art, your, your uh, editorial that I love. Um, it, it, again, it's very well-intentioned. I think it probably grew to a scale where they might've scrambled a bit to, to, to make it work. And it's very well-intentioned. It's just, you know, putting that many people into a room and that many ideas and that many uh, different pitches, uh, it can't be easy. It can't be easy to like manage something like that that grows so quickly. No, I agree. And um, I think that was another thing, um, like as a reporter and someone who goes to a con conference to try to, you know, get stories um, to, to publish, it was very difficult because the, the, agenda was huge there was like you know um at least five or six stages going on at any one time and you know you had to kind of wade through and see well who's speaking is that somebody i've ever heard of is that like somebody who's going to make news and that was a difficult thing for me on the reporting front let alone just the noise and the, and the difficulty in hearing um but i you know I get that. And I, I think that that's one of the charms of East Denver is that it's always been for the community. It's not for reporters. It's not for anybody, you know, who's trying to maybe take something out of it. It's for people who want to put something into it. And yeah. I, th I think that's a great ethos, but I do agree. I think it's gotten away from them a little bit. I think um, this was a, a difficult uh, conference to manage. And then I thought, and I realized after the fact that I think there are so many other side events that are going on uh, outside of the conference that that might be where the more interesting things are happening uh, in terms of thought leaders and, and, and builders and people who are there. And so now you not only have to like apply to get a ticket to East Denver, where you're up against maybe 30 to 40,000 other applicants, but you need to know about, okay, there's this side conference going on and then there's this party going on and it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's become quite massive and, and quite, um, at least for me, I just turned 50. Maybe that's what I'm, t I'm trying to say here is that I'm old. <laughs> it's and, overwhelming. And it's a, it's a young person's game, I think at East Denver. Yeah. I mean, it also sort of smacks that slaps you in the face that, I mean, all of crypto and web three has kind of fits that um, solution looking for a problem idea. And you, you look around at all those booths and you just wonder like, do we need another wallet or another layer two thing? Um, but then you see stuff like, like ordinals is really cool and interesting. And they had a big presence there. 
Mm-hmm. Um, like I think that's that's stuff's exciting. So you do if you find the exciting thing, it's it's great to go there and check it out. But it's really just. But that's like in every convention. Like every convention you go to, you're like, do we need this many new cameras or this many new food items? Um, you just have to like really look around and find the thing that that excites you and that might be useful in the world. Yeah, um, for sure. And it's interesting that a Bitcoin project, you know, might be one of the more interesting things that we come away from, from East Denver, you know, which is obviously an Ethereum based conference. Well, so, so I, I did talk to a few people, um, with nouns, uh, that had, they, they didn't necessarily say Bitcoin, but they were excited by not necessarily the use case or wanting to use ordinals, but just that it was new and interesting. Um, and you know, that they're, they're, they're big NFT smart contract people. So I think there there were things that there are things about that world that that excite them. Um, it's really just all the uh, all the all the new bells and whistles that they might not be using every day. But things like ordinals, they were like, "Yeah, this is really cool. Let's just check it out." Coinbase had a big presence there with all their new stuff. That was really cool. Um, which obviously Coinbase is a big deal because they're onboarding new people that have never experienced this every day. So if they come in contact with new ideas. That's cool. Um, so there's, there's definitely, yeah, uh, it's definitely useful to go there and check it out, but you just have to really look around and find the exciting stuff. Yeah. I've wondered about that because, um, one of the pitches of East Denver is that, you know, it's, it's not just for people who are into the community already, but it's for like people who are curious about it. But I don't know. I'm, I'm wondering what you think. It doesn't feel like a crypto curious conference to me. It feels like these are diehards, you know, they call them degens. Um, and, and you really, it's, it feels like if you've made your way to East Denver, you're probably already, you know, taking the red pill. Um, did, did you, what do you think? Did you oh. get a sense that there were people that just were like, explain this to me? Or were they like, where do I invest? Like, I know it, but where do I invest next or something like that? I mean, the, you're probably closer to the conversations to know about the, to answer the investment thing, but there's no way you could go to this thing, not knowing anything and come away. I mean, you'd have to work really hard to figure out where to go and to, to really, to look at these logos and understand the terminology on the, the backs, the back walls of these booths. Um, no. And even if you wanted to go there and you saw a, uh, there's nothing like how to set up a wallet, <laughs> which would have been very useful as soon as you walked in. Um, but if you went to one of these panels and just tried to hear what they were saying, like, there's no way. It was so loud. It was so oppressively, like, every sense was being activated. Your smell, your eyes, your ears. Uh, you, nah, you, you couldn't go there not knowing what you're doing and come away having figured it out, I don't think. You definitely had to uh, have some education. Yeah, I agree. And you, you have that education. So let me um, put you on the spot just for a second. What was sure. um, one of the more cringeworthy things that you saw or something where you're just like, are you serious? Like, <laughs> you know, I, I've heard, I, I heard about some things. Uh, I didn't see a whole lot that was that cringy. Uh, there were people dressed up in costumes, but I think that's just to get attention. Um I mean, for me, like, because I went there to film a panel and just 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 the fact that that was set up the way it was, that was just so almost useless. Um, that was not disappointing, less than cringy, but just disappointing. Uh, but I didn't see some of the stuff I'd heard about. 
Yeah. What did you? Um, well, yeah, I think um, folks, you know, coming in for a guided meditation, um, you know, like there, there's a, a bit of the sort of um, crunchy sort of hippie element that's always been a part of Ethereum um, that, that I, you know, I just, I don't. It's just not my cup of tea, um, yeah. but I do want to say that that has always been the, uh, there's always been this, this whimsy about Ethereum. And I think it literally comes from Vitalik and the way that he used to dress with rainbow, you know, unicorn t-shirts and, and stuff. And the way that, you know, in past conferences, you know, they've all dressed up as furries and they're doing a dance and song on stage. So, you know, people making fun of some of the, the the song and dance stuff from this year's conference just don't i don't think they have that context um you know that that's not a that's not a bug that's a feature and i think it's something <laughs> yeah. that appeals to a lot of the uh, ethereum community because you know it's like i hate this word but it's like a safe space for them you know like they they are like that's the family and like they don't give a shit like if you're laughing at their dad jokes or not you know like that's that's what they do and so i know um our, one of our podcasters carson daly kind of took some shots at, at what the some of the um you know the, the song and dance stuff from this year and and i guess you know it, it your mileage may vary but you know uh, i i would just want people to know that that's that's not new that's always been there and that's that's a part of the ethereum community that that's always been sort of um willing to just not give a shit yeah and you know she took she talked about i think she uh also talked about individuals but uh and that's fine if it's cringy to her great you know she wants to talk about it i'm not sure that's necessarily specific to uh ethereum i think anytime you get a big group of people you're going to have the people that are there that are this is where their personality can shine um you know they can let their freak flag fly and they're going to do it because they're at a convention they're having a good time and this is who they are um but you, know, you said something interesting about uh the culture of ethereum always being like that and uh the ordinals thing being a Bitcoin project, I think a lot of Bitcoiners, and I've heard this, are kind of excited about it because Bitcoin's not very fun. <laughs> you know, it's pretty, it takes itself very seriously. And I think a lot of them look at this as an opportunity to make it fun and, you know, and, and invite some people that look at it and think, why would I be a part of this deeply conservative uh, or libertarian seeming thing? Uh, and you, you add NFTs. And I think people are like, okay, well, this could be enjoyable or at least pleasant uh so that that is interesting that that the the parts of it that feel cringy might be the part of it that invites some more people in yeah that's a great point and i've said this before i i really liked when the nft boom happened in ethereum and other smart contract platforms because it brought in artists and it brought in musicians and it brought in all these really interesting creative people into this you know space where prior to that it was mostly like developers and programmers and people who were you know very tech savvy and yeah and they're they're brilliant but you know it's a little bit one note but now you you're, you're bringing in somebody like people or you know the crypto punks or like uh, board ape you know um and top of all of the amazing 
visual artists that are doing things with bright moments and uh, all sorts of other platforms where you know now not not even to mention you know music nfts are still really in their infancy but yeah now you've got this this and it's it's it was great it was a great infusion of um both enthusiasm and creativity and just uh, you know a whole new set of really amazing people who are realizing web3 and nfts can change the way that they are dealing with their chosen profession yeah yeah it it really it would be really interesting to see what happens with with ordinals um yeah you're right though if you take that away it is just a bunch of tech stuff and way to move money and way to or to gamble um but yeah having something to do that's fun when you get there i mean honestly when i look at bitcoin podcasts or what's coming out about bitcoin it's always about it's either about price or it's about like we're going to reach new users i really don't see much else about that you know that really is interesting. I think there's a lot of people in that world that, well, there's also the whole, like, we're going to save the world idea. Um, we're going to save the unbanked and we're right. going to save the yeah, people. I think that I was are... getting at that with like new users, you know, yeah, like yeah, trying to get unbanked people in, of course. Yeah. But what's funny is like most of those people are uh, solitary, get off my lawn types. I, it seems like. Like that don't really care about the rest of the world. <laughs> Old <laughs> man means... shouting a cloud holds Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah, so it's 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 funny. Like, so who knows? Maybe this will be like get some people that actually want to use this to do what it could possibly do. Yeah, um, yeah, that'll would, be interesting. It would, and I think it's all, it's only a benefit to the wider crypto community as a whole. Um, it's interesting because I, I wrote about this a little bit in the editorial you mentioned, but you you mentioned the, the almost religious kind of aspect to it, and it does it does kind of feel like that, doesn't it? Like there's just uh, the, which ETH Denver and just the oh. cr- like the crowd, like it feels like more than anything there is just this bedrock belief in what's going on and that it it is going to you know continue and 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 continue to change the world, but it is I think in my opinion at least at this point still more belief than anything you can see in your day-to-day life yeah it, it it's it is interesting that 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 people take on that as part of their personality more so than like well i guess it's sort of like sports um but yeah it kind of has that not not gang mentality but it definitely feels like we're trying so hard to make this thing real um when really it's still like banking and the internet which i would never get that close to religiously (laughs) you know no but Um, i get it like you're saying it's like i'm on team ethereum or i'm on team bitcoin it's hard to be on both there's not many people that um well maybe the loud the loudest folks are not like that but of course we wouldn't be here um without bitcoin um so what was like what was your positive takeaway? You know, I asked you about the cringe moment, but what was um, something that made you maybe optimistic or hopeful? Well, again, like we are, it is the middle of of a bear market, which I know that's all about price, but they say this is when people start building things to see 20,000 people or 30,000 people show up in Denver to a cattle barn. It does make you feel like, okay, it's not dying. (laughs) Right. And if you look at the headlines, you see things happening. It it is it is 
important, as they always say in the trading world, to step back and look at the whole timeline, you know, to see yeah, where you yeah. are in these dips. You would never have known we're in a bear market, right? When you're in the inside the walls of the Western uh, arena or whatever it is. I mean, that, that no. would, you'd never know. You would think nope. that things were like to the moon. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It, 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 that, that was really interesting to me. It's like you kind of had to remember to, again, not to always talk about price, but to, to look at and go, oh, yeah, we are still at the bottom of this thing. And maybe it goes down further. But to see all those people, you kind of have to remember, oh, yeah, it's not skyrocketing today. Um, right. Like they're all still here, though. And I would say on top of that, like, yeah, the prices are depressed, but we're also under regulatory scrutiny like never before. Uh, yeah. We, we keep getting, you know, every day it seems like a new signal that the word has gone out in back channels to banks that they need to, to get rid of, you know, they need to really think about whether they want to bank crypto companies. Um, just but don't you think, though, like it, there's a threshold to where these people, there's these, these things either, uh, what's that, what's that, that? Uh, Lindy effect, mm -hmm. where obviously this is past that, but all those people someday are going to run companies and they're going to run for office. So all these decisions, sort of like pot and gay marriage, these things that are being uh, voted out right now will be aged out. And these all those people in that room will be making these decisions. Does yeah. it seem like that? It, I, I, yeah, I hear that totally. And I think it's always about the pendulum swing and where, where is it, which way is it going? Is it coming back? Um, right. I think, I think the pendulum has swung very far, uh, into the negative territory for crypto in general. Um, and I think, uh, just yesterday, I think it, I saw that Coinbase, um, was severing its ties with us dollar coin, which is like a us based stable coin, you know, it's supposed to be kind of the gold standard. So there are these, um, these, these, uh, but on, on the regulatory front, but it's like sort of, uh, like I said, it's like, it's, it feels like it's behind the scenes and these decisions are coming out and you, you have to kind of connect the dots to see that, that someone in the government is making a very strong case to banking uh, that they, they need to think really hard about whether they want to be involved with crypto. But again, that wasn't evident at all at ETH Denver. You would never know, you know, that, that, because that is, that is a bit of an ex existential threat, in my opinion, at least in the United States. If you, if these firms can't get banking, they can't exist. So that's going to force it all to go offshore. It's not going away. And that we've seen through our reporting at the central, Hong Kong is really stepping up and, and creating a nice framework for, for firms. Uh, Singapore is not far behind. Australia is there. The UK has been doing stuff through its central bank. So the United States really seems to be uh, on the back foot here. And of course, I think we need to tie it all back to FTX and what happened there because, um, you know, Sam Bankman-Fried was, um, to say the least, a, a very popular figure in Washington, D.C., and was spreading his money around to all sorts of politicians. So speaking about that pendulum, I think it's it's swinging hard in the negative direction because a lot of people yeah. in D.C. have to cover their ass. Right. And, yeah. and that's, that's something that that's not a good outcome. That's not how you want to make laws and make regulations. Um, you know, the one one I agree with that completely, like the. the the pendulum swing and, and you look at that crowd and hopefully that's who someday is voting one, but also trying to 
take control of some of that power. But one thing we, that happened that was a bright spot happened away from the conference. Um, you and I took a break and we went to uh, the Clifford Still Museum, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. And then we had lunch with my girlfriend, who is a whole coiner because she wants the clout. <laughs> yeah. And wait, so tell, tell people what that means, just in case they don't know. Oh, yeah. So when I first met her, I, was, I, I make those uh, films with Pete McCormack. And they're Bitcoin films called Follow the Money. And I was explaining to her Bitcoin. And I said, look, I am not suggesting you buy Bitcoin at all. But let me explain it to you. And I did. And when she heard about the 21 million, she said, wait, so there's only going to be 21 million. There's like, how many, like 6 billion people on the planet. She goes, so yeah, I want to be one of those people. And so she bought one at like 18,000. Okay. And she put it in a wallet and she has a Bitcoin. And she has, she, but she still doesn't really know what that means. <laughs> but when, when you when you step back and you just talk to someone about it and you explain like third parties and fees and 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 uh, uh, censorship and all these things that that Web three and Bitcoin, if not solve, bypass. It, in your head, you're like, I, I'm not as passionate or rabid as these people at the convention. But I do hope a lot of these things work because those are, there, there are problems in that in the system. And when you explain to someone that doesn't understand it and you see their light bulbs going off, like, yeah, why do I pay fee? Why can't I just do this? And, you know, uh, it, it, it does start to click that hopefully these things work someday uh, because yeah. it does make sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I you know, of course you have conversations with your Lyft drivers and I was talking to one about this and he was asking me questions and I said, well, you know, a great use case here is that uh, there's a service just like Lyft, but Lyft isn't in the the middle taking 30% of your fees. And he said, oh, it's way more than that. So I I think Lyft is now maybe taking 50% of what the drivers make um, on every ride. Whereas it's, it's not that hard to envision pretty soon here that you could just have an app on your phone that was blockchain based that would connect a rider with a driver and the driver gets all the money, you know? And so that sort of removing that intermediary, that rent seeker is, yeah, yeah it's, it's always been a huge, I think, um, you know, a huge reason for this and why people get so excited about it. Well, let me ask you a question though. Like, I have friends that are caught up in this SVP, SVB bank uh, bank run. Um, That's Silicon Valley Bank, the one that just yeah, failed. So, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and they're very happy to have that two hundred fifty thousand dollar FDIC insurance, uh, which you would not have if you were banking on, on the blockchain. Um, but are there also outside of like? Uh, a sell-off in Bitcoin or Ethereum, are you are you also protected against bank runs? If, if you're not, if you're on chain, you are. If the problem that with bank runs that we saw in 2022 with centralized exchanges like uh, uh, FTX or centralized services um, like Terra Luna and and you know Three Arrows Capital where you've put your money in and then you don't know what's being done with it. You know, it's kind of behind the curtain that that's where people got screwed last year. Um, but if like Nounsdale, like let's go back to Nounsdale, like you said, you can't, you can't take those funds because they're smart contract enabled and that's the only way the funds are going to move from the treasury. So there's no, there's no way 
for um, somebody. It's just it's a different setup, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. And I think a bank run is when you know people panic and they want to get their money out from obviously a centralized entity like a bank. And then once yeah. the perception is out there, then the stock is going to tank. You know, everybody's going to be lining up at the ATM, and it's a panic. Where as on the blockchain, I don't, that, it's, not, it's not set up that way. So what we've seen as these centralized entities have failed in, in Web3, the, the decentralized exchanges that are, are totally on chain didn't fail. You know, they did what they were supposed to do. And so right. I, think, I think there's a layer of protection there um, from a run, but at the same time, there isn't a layer of protection in case something bad happens like FDIC insurance. So right. that, that's something that doesn't exist yet. Maybe it will, but okay. yeah, I, I, that, so I think there's an initial protection that, that is good, but there isn't a fallback protection, which maybe in the future will exist. Got it. Okay. Um, that's, that's sort of like any, if you want, uh, if you want privacy, if you want anonymity, uh, it's expensive and risky. If you don't care about those things, it's cheap and easy, right? So, yeah. like, what are, what are your what are your priorities? Yeah, yeah, totally. And then, lastly, I guess I don't know. Um, to wrap it up and go back to East Denver, you know, we uh, like the network effect is something that that we've that that is uh, usually brought up in terms of like a blockchain community and whether it works. You know, you need to have you need to have these knock-on effects of, of people joining and making it stronger because it's decentralized and hopefully, you know, people are running nodes on the blockchain all over the world. So it's, it's a, you know, a very robust system that's, that's not easy to take down, you know, and then on top of that, in Ethereum anyway, there's at least uh, the, the, the different nodes are written in seven different um, programming languages. So if one of, or two go down, the network stays up. So, you know, that's the sort of network effect that, that Bitcoin, you know, really made um, popular. And then Ethereum has, has followed. But I, I was struck by it. I just came away from ETH Denver with that mass of people and just the enthusiasm in the face of, of a very tough regulatory environment, in the face of a bear market as we've gone over. But it felt like that crowd was like the network effect in human form, you know, like that. Those were... These are the, these were the people. These were the nodes, you know, of this network that are making it succeed. And and every year, East Denver has grown almost exponentially, and it doesn't seem to be slowing down at all. So, I just found I found that like I asked you, what was the positive? I think that was my positive coming away, mm. even though it was chaotic and hard to grapple with, and and hard to maybe find where you should be in that huge. 30,000 person crowd, if you take a step back and look at it holistically, it's like, wow, this is, this is kind of a really interesting um, personification of what Ethereum is and, and what this community has built over the years. No, I think that's very true. But again, like you walk in and see all those people and think, okay, this seems to be working. And I also feel like the threshold, the, the barrier to entry is uh that it is kind of hard like wallets are, are difficult and figuring it all out and then um you know if you go to you go to a decentralized exchange and see that magic trick happen it's like uh i think the the unlocking that though i feel like that barrier to entry is so close to 
having that one thing that everyone's going to do and get. And it might be just a payment system. It might be Vimeo or uh, Venmo or PayPal figuring it out. But um, it does seem like it's it's like right there that once they crack that one little thing, there'll be somewhat uh, mass adoption. Yeah, I think in the internet um, uh, history, they they talk about the Netscape effect. Once Netscape okay. came out, and it was a browser that allowed you to navigate. You know, there were browsers before that, but I think they weren't as as friendly as Netscape. And that one, I think, it just unlocked everything that that the nascent web had to offer. And we haven't had that yet for crypto, but I'm hoping um, that, like you say, it's around the corner. Um, all right, Neil, this has been amazing. Thank you. Um, tell tell listeners what what's the nouns DAO stat or doc status and, and and where could they find more about that and, and where can they find more about you and what you've done um in crypto and beyond well there's so uh i would definitely look on youtube at the peter mccormack uh, what bitcoin did series called follow the money there's three films right now there's one about el salvador's bitcoin adoption there's one about inflation which is barely about bitcoin at all um and there we're working on uh, the third one right now, which is, oh, I'm sorry, which is, I'm sorry, which is about Bitcoin mining. Um, not necessarily Bitcoin mining, uh, specifically. It's more about the jobs it creates and what, how it can benefit the grid and all the good things about it, because there are a lot of really good things about it. Um, uh, and then also the nouns thing we're we're mostly shot. Uh, we have some more interviews to do, but we're in editing right now, hoping to have it out by the end of the year. Uh, but there's, there's, if you go to nouns.wtf, there's links to all kinds of nouns that, again, it's, it's decentralized. So there's a, a thousand different organizations and groups that you can log into to check out. But there's a, on YouTube, there's a group called Nounish that has some really cool footage and actually using some of my footage um, in their stuff. Uh, and there's nouns OTG, which is nouns on the ground. They've got a lot of really cool videos just of them just like trying to spread the word about this thing. All right. And uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't say you can see all those Peter McCormack videos as well on the Decentral website under Oh, films. yes, sorry. <laughs> even better. Yeah, Good even point. better. Yeah, Decentral.io. Yeah, go to Decentral.io. <laughs> all uh, right. Yeah, Neil, a pleasure. Thank you for having me and, and sharing your perspective on East Denver and NounsDAO and everything else. Uh, it's a, it's yeah. a pleasure. Let's do this again. Let's make, it a, let's make it a regular thing. All right. This was fun. I enjoyed right. this. Yep, I did too. That's it for this episode. Thanks for joining us, and don't forget to rate and follow this show on Apple, Spotify, and Amazon Music. Decent People is a production of Decentral Media. It is produced by Matt Bogart, with music by Brian Duncan and Kareem Imes. <laughs>